Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about Buffy the Pumpkin King Slayer so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Halloween Rain by Christopher Golden and Nancy Holder. Joining us to discuss this vintage Buffy the Vampire Slayer tie-in novel is conflicted Buffy fan, Love Letters podcast host, and writer Meredith Goldstein. Hello. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank, Thank you, you for coming back, as always. Uh, Meredith modestly just listed herself as writer, um, but she has written great books that we have recommended here before. And I wanted to give a, another shout out to her most recent book, um, Things That Grow, because um, I had moderated an event for Meredith at Porter Square Books for a book release earlier this year because it was virtual. My mom went. She was so excited about it, and she, like, read the book and loved it, Meredith. Hmm. And then she she texted me and she was like, Renata, did you see that the Meredith Goldstein like commented on your Instagram post? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all capital V. And I was like, oh yeah, we're like friends. And she was like, I mean, <laughs> and I had, I had the Renata hosting my launch. So I am the lucky one. You have to tell her. <laughs> We're, I think we can agree that we're all hashtag blessed. Exactly. But, Very true. Yeah, I was like, Mom, like, Meredith's been on the podcast before. My mom listens to it, but I guess she, like, didn't put the pieces together until, like, she read the book and then, like, your name was fully lodged in her brain and then she saw you on my Instagram or something. I was like, oh, my gosh. You're like, you're like, she actually dressed up as Claudia from, you know. Right. <laughs> for, for my own podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, welcome back, the Meredith Goldstein. <laughs> I love it. It's so great to be here for this in particular. Yes. So yeah, Meredith, we know, um, is a is a Twilight fan, is a vampire fan in general. And yes, as Kate is about to say, this is part of Flashback Summer. Yes, that is exactly what I was about <laughs> to say, is that this is the latest and I believe last installment of this year's Flashback Summer. Mm-hmm. Which, if this is your first day, is the time of the year where we revisit books from our youth, uh, or-ish. Anything before the pandemic was our youth, if you think I, about it. It's I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> and I will say, this actually was legitimately from my youth. I pulled the copy that I read to do this podcast off my childhood bookshelf. Uh, and that is, in fact, the version that I read, the copy that I read to prepare for this. That is incredible. Because I have to say that even I am 44 and I found Buffy as a show a little bit later than it came out. I think I'm Sarah Michelle Gellar's age and four years older than Buffy the character. Mm. But all of the tie-in stuff is like completely new to me and very, you know, like vintage, but not of my actual youth because I was already sort of basically a grown up when the show came out. Just, yeah, in the spirit of flashback summer, I, I think it's also sort of flashback to Buffy, the show and the concept. And like I think of the three of us, I'm sort of the least Buffy fan. And it's not that I don't like it. I just, um well, when I was a kid, we didn't have cable, which also included the WB or CW. Like we didn't have any of that. So I didn't watch it until I was in grad school, which was 2010, 2011. I started watching it... I guess at the end of the first season, because I remember going into the second season, watching it and talking about it at school with one of my friends. That's how I became friends with one of my friends is alphabetically we were seated next to each other. 
and she heard me talking to someone about Buffy. Or no, she saw in my locker, because alphabetically our lockers are right next to each other, mm-hmm. that I had like a picture I cut out of TV Guide that was like an <laughs> ad for Buffy. And she was like, oh my God, you watch Buffy too? And that's how we became friends back in 1997. What a 90s story. Like, <laughs> picture cut out of TV Guide. Yes. Just kiss. Fully. And I, I was very into it for probably like the first five years of the show and then like many things I was I'm I'm thinking probably around the time that I graduated high school and went to college and most of my tv watching dropped off Kate not to blow up your spot but like your one of your AOL instant messenger names was like included Willow oh yes it was Willow XF and the XF was of course for X-Files I didn't want to say the whole thing to give it out as if someone might try to chat you on a dead messenger. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's also in my my vintage copy from 1997, there is, and this is this is narrow casting, and I am aware of that. There is a bookmark for an independent bookstore that closed in like the late 90s that was next to a Caldors, and on it it says the Caldors Shopping Center. So if you're familiar with Caldors, that's how long ago it was. There were still Caldors around. I am familiar and I I love all of this. I mean, <laughs> this is a journey, this book. I, I hope you post lots of po- pictures of the book when, when this episode goes out. Yeah, share it. And also, we have a note that we just kind of want to briefly address and then probably not talk about again because it's not really what we're here for. But like Joss Whedon, creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a documented creep. Yes. And I, you know, wow, we could do whole episodes about this. But like, it's <laughs> because my sort of coming to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when people used to watch it in college, when it first came out, I was like, I don't know what they're into. It's like a blonde girl kicking and punching. And I, I mean, I liked the movie, but I was like, oh, it's it's probably some sexist thing. And then of course, when I found it later, I was like, Oh my God, like this is brilliant. And like, you know, eventually like it was sort of, especially for a lot of people my age, like the first like gay characters who were allowed to like Mm -hmm. make out. And like, there were all these revolutionary things about it. And then of course coming full circle to the now and not even just the now, I feel like diehard Buffy fans have long been interrogating. What do we do about this guy? Right. Cause it didn't just start this year. These, these stories, I think if you were paying attention, but my, you know, and I say conflicted Buffy fan, I am a, a big Buffy fan, but um, there's so many writers on this show that turned out to have written all the stuff I like. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, Renata, you turned me on to Harley Quinn, which I am forever yes. grateful for. And recently, uh, I just to interject, Harley Quinn, the, the show, not the character. Yes. Not just the character, but like the cartoon and find it on HBO Max. I listened to that podcast, Slayer Fest 98, about Buffy and mm-hmm. their host recently said those people write the way Joss Whedon thinks he can write. Mm. And, and I was like, yep, that, that's pretty much it. Right. Like get it. So I, I don't know. It's one of those things, right. Where we don't have to get into it. And this book is certainly a lot lighter than all of these issues, but dealing with, with being a fan and a fandom and uh, interrogating all of it. And, you know, there's actually not a whole lot to interrogate in this book in terms of, <laughs> of that, because my brain can't even go there. They're <laughs> zombies, scarecrows, and Halloween rain. Halloween rain. 
Yeah, Joss Whedon not directly not involved with the writing of this book. Just no, creating no, we don't the even world. worry about him because something tells me he didn't even know what happened. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's there's so one of the things. Well, obviously, yeah. Like there's there's so it is both demoralizing and uh, you know routine at this point that like so many of the people who created the things that many of us loved in our use turned out to be sexist racist assholes and abusers and terrible people and joss whedon Mm -hmm. is right up near the top of that you know and there's there's certainly a lot of places i think that cover that in a lot more detail than this but an interesting thing that i looked up so in this book as we'll get into like halloween is built up as this book came out um a couple months after season two started of buffy and in the book it builds up Halloween as like, oh, yes, like that's when all of the creepy, terrible things and all the monsters come out. And if you're familiar with the Buffy canon, you might remember that Halloween in the show is actually notable because none of the vampires or demons want to be associated with (laughs) it. So traditionally, it is a very quiet night for the Slayer. Uh, And I read, I was Googling about this and I read a quote from Christopher Golden where he basically was like, yeah, like, don't look at us. Like we had to send the script over to to the manuscript of our book over to Mutant Enemy to get approved. And they were like, yeah, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you really know what level of geek you are about, you know, a body of work when you're like, well, I, you know, slayers would be able to tell you that Halloween is, is very quiet. Actually, I found myself (laughs) doing that throughout this book of of the things that matched and the things that didn't match, which, you know, I don't know if it made me feel good or bad about myself, but that was one of the things that very, and and worth noting, I don't know if, if, if the two of you did this, but when I Googled Christopher Golden, like seeing that he is from Massachusetts, really just made me excited. Yeah, I I think I found him on Twitter or something. And yeah, he lives in the area even. He lives in the area and has written so much, you know, so many books that are related to IP, whether it's like Wolverine or Highland or like, you know, what a job. He's Yeah, he's a professional fan fiction writer. The dream. Truly. I just want to pause it. Like, well, actually... I kind of think that the end of the book explains why Halloween <laughs> is quiet in Sunnydale. Because as stated in the intro, Buffy killed the Pumpkin King. So everything post-Pumpkin King, like, yeah. Like, well, it's, I mean, yes, but also <laughs> in the canon, they say that Halloween has always been quiet. Mm, well. Always, always. Although, <laughs> you know, I'm willing to accept in a parallel, you know, some sort of like, I don't know, multiverse, mm. the pumpkin king Laura, I'll allow it. Yes. Mm, this is the pumpkin timeline. Because it also, like, the book also <laughs> doesn't fit into the, uh, God, this is so nerdy, but fucking whatever. This is our book podcast. What am I from nerdy? Um, so in the timeline, like, this canonic- canonically, Buffy joins... Sun moves to Sunnydale halfway through her sophomore year, and that's season one, which is a mid-season show. It's like twelve episodes, and then season two starts when they're juniors, and that theoretically that should be like their her first Halloween in Sunnydale should be the Halloween that we see in the show her junior year. So this book doesn't even really <laughs> fit well, into this book is like. How about it goes like this instead, which I, you know, you got to respect it. By the way, also, recently I've learned that in, if we're geeking out, there is an old song. It's a Bruce Hornsby song. I'm not a Bruce, Bruce Hornsby fan 
but I know this song from like my childhood, like being in my dad's car called Mandolin Rain. And I find that much many of my younger friends do not know this song. It's like a divide, right? If you're like over 40, you know it. If you're under 40, you don't or something. But I have now, I, I encourage and invite everyone listening to this to Google the song and listen to it after because imagine me singing Halloween Rain. Halloween <laughs> 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 Rain by Bruce Hornby, which is what I have been doing for a long time now since reading the book. <laughs> The one last, like, very dumb, nerdy thing that I will say is like, there, there are many. We're going to encounter, if you're familiar with Buffy, many things that were jossed by later episodes. Literally jossed in this case <laughs> by later episodes of the but show. If you're not, like, so nerdy and you don't know the term joss, it's like when, especially, like, I think in terms of fan fiction, like, you've written a fan fiction, like, where Buffy does this on Halloween and then on the show you see that something else happens and you're like, oh, my fic was just because now it doesn't make sense anymore or like wh- whatever. Yes. And this is this is how obviously how the term came to exist in the first place. <laughs> the one other thing that made me go, hey, wait a minute, is at some point they say something like, oh, like nothing exciting ever happens in Sunnydale. We don't even have a mall. And it's like, yes, you do have a mall because the big showdown with the judge in season two takes place at the I mall. Mean, and that <laughs> isn't bad eggs. Isn't she in the mall to get her mom a dr- Now I just fully just referenced an obscure. I'm like, doesn't she pick <laughs> up a dress and see a bit? <laughs> okay, see, but see, even like I'm, like I said, a more casual Buffy fan, but I read that and I was just like, that doesn't sound right. Like, it, was the <laughs> ni- it was the 90s. Of course they had a mall. And so I just Googled it and I found the wiki and I was like, aha, there is a mall. <laughs> there is a mall, and I believe Buffy is supposed to pick up a dress for her mother at Casual Woman. I think. That's <laughs> so I, that, we're gonna if we're gonna get nitpicky with this, I'm yeah, I can go there. Oh, Casual Woman is where I purchased my Buffy fandom. <laughs> uh, on that note, I, I guess we can get into the book itself, and it starts with like a a prologue that includes the phrase "pumped for pounding." I I I realized that when I was reading the prologue, I started like typing notes in my phone that, about things that I thought were ridiculous and loved, and then I realized I was just basically writing the whole prologue, and like, every line was a note. Yeah, yeah. We just went and said like, "Oh, Joss Whedon was involved in this book isn't creepy," but then in the prologue, it's like Buffy doing her patrol in the graveyard, and she's like bored because she's pumped for pounding, but there aren't any vampires or anything around to slay, and so she's just bored. And then she hears a girl screaming, and the girl says, "Oh God, stop!" And so she thinks it's like an attempted rape, and she goes to like save the girl whose name is Aphrodisia, which is Aphrodisia like a known character? Or is she just for the book? So. She is a known character, but hold that thought until we get to Willow's Halloween costume. Oh, Boise. Okay. Well, so th- she goes to like save Aphrodisia, and Aphrodisia's like, oh, like, knock it off, you creep. Like, I'm just having fun with my boyfriend. But, like, I don't know. Your teens and you are like screaming and saying, oh, God, stop. And you're like fucking in a graveyard. Like, what are you doing, Aphrodisia? Not to kink shame, but maybe a little <laughs> bit to kink shame. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Anyway, that's the prologue. 
Yes. The the pros of this book, like right from the start, they're like, if you're not familiar with Buffy, there there's a very, there's like a patter to the dialogue. There's a lot of references. There's a lot of slang, but not even like real slang, slang that felt very made up for the show, but that sounded natural enough and like something that these like weird teenagers would say that like, it just sounded right and you didn't question it. And in the first five, I mean, throughout the book, but really in that prologue, like the book is like, no, we are going to make it very clear to everyone that this is a Buffy book by turning the dial up to 11 on this. Mm -hmm. And it succeeds. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about Wiggins? Well, I just feel like on the show, Buffy says, oh, that that gives me the wigs, the Wiggins. And I felt like the number of times in this book that they say the Wiggins or like the wigs. I was like, okay, we get it. You watched it. <laughs> that was that was definitely a word that I noticed. Yeah, there was a lot, and even just the 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 way, like the 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 voice, I guess, that the narrative was written in was very like, we're gonna try to make this like as like teenagery and Buffy as possible. Yeah, and there were a lot of like pop culture references that didn't quite make sense. Yeah, don't really land. No, but boy, were they fun to read. <laughs> but so, yes, it is. It is coming up on Halloween. And as we mentioned earlier, in the Canada Buffy, Halloween's real chill. But in this book, uh, Giles has warned Giles, who is... Bu- so Buffy's a vampire slayer. <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy's a vampire slayer. She's the one teen girl in all the world in each generation who has chosen to fight vampires. Normally, this is a very solitary activity. It is the vampire slayer and the older adult who is supposed to guide her and train her, who is her watcher. But Buffy is very outside of the box in that she has friends who she has told her secret to or found out her secret who help her with the vampire slaying with like the research and all of the other stuff. So Giles, her watcher has told her like, man, Halloween is when like all the bad things happen. Like, all the demons and vampires are going to be around. So you have to do a lot of patrolling for vampires in the days leading up to Halloween because, you know, you need, you're the one, you, this, you are a 16 year old girl and your whole point in life is to (laughs) save us from these creatures. And by the way, if you're unfamiliar with Buffy and yet still listening, like Giles or Roger is the school librarian, which is like why I watched this in grad school because every library student is like, oh my God, Buffy, oh my God, Giles. And I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, I guess I'll watch this. <laughs> you never really see him do much librarian work though. In fact, I think it's sort of like a running joke. Like sometimes a kid will come in and be, he'll be like, what are you doing here? And they're like, I need a book. And he's <laughs> like, oh, right, right, right. Because he's sort of, you know, like, you know, watching his Slayer 99%. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a he's not a good librarian role model. No, and also really in, not. In the book, they refer to like he left his career at the British Museum to come be a high school librarian, which is and it's phrased so clunky. It's like which is a career move about on a level of like a visit to Doctor Kevorkian's office. Yes, it, it. I'm telling you, every it's like almost like a parody like that I would write now of what I think people <laughs> yes. would write in the '90s, like headline <laughs> news thing where I was like, are we making a Kevorkian joke? Yeah. But, and that's not going to mean much to younger people, but yeah. They, and that is not at all canon, right? The British Museum part. That's not a thing. That is actually canon, I believe. It is? Okay. Yes. Because I thought he was just like, he was in his weird cult and then trained to be a watcher. <laughs> but 
I missed the British Museum part, so I'm I'm a bad fan. Well, now you've learned. Now I've learned. <laughs> like if I if I just feel like that would have come up more often, but I I yeah. I was not paying attention. Um, so yes, it's, it's Halloween. Um, but Buffy has found that there have not been a lot of vampires and things out on the streets. Her patrols have been very slow. She hasn't been able to do a lot of slaying. So Willow and Xander, who are her two best friends at Sunnydale High, are like, oh, well, there's going to be a masquerade. There's so much about Buffy that I feel like we need to explain to people who've never watched Buffy. There's going to be a masquerade at the Bronze, so you should come. The Bronze is in this town where nothing happens and nothing exists the bronze is this weird club that exists that doesn't serve alcohol until buffy and the gang turn 21 and then they start serving Mm -hmm. alcohol and it's like a teen nightclub that all the teens in town go to and this is fine and their parents allow it it, you know, it's like your peach pit. It's like your Bon Nuit on Riverdale, although they do actually have alcohol. But it's like your cool teen hangout that exists way more in fiction than in real life. Yeah, it's just a very, like, the whole concept of it and how it changes over the years to be whatever they need it to be in any situation is just very funny to me now as an adult. It, it's so, it is very peach pit, which, again, I don't know if that'll mean anything to anybody. But <laughs> it also, like, I always think about the fact that the people who performed at the bronze, like some great acts some acts that sort of went away, but Michelle branch sang goodbye to you at both the bronze, but also P three, which was the peach pit on charmed. So there were certain nineties artists like making the rounds of all of like the fake music venue clubs, bars, high school bars on all of these shows at the time. But I, yeah, the bronze, it was, it was, it changed with the cast, you know, first it's, first it's for 15 year olds, but then they go when they're like 21. (laughs) They should, those artists should make like fake tour t-shirts of like (laughs) the, like 1997 world tour, the bronze and like, whatever, whatever. One of my most like sort of out of sorts moments was rewatching a Buffy episode and seeing Amy Mann playing the bronze. Oh, wow. Out of sorts how? Well, I was like, <laughs> like the oh. way I'm out of sorts right now thinking about it, where I was like, the Michelle Branch thing makes sense to me, but I was like, I, I was trying to imagine the phone call where Amy Mann was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. <laughs> Maybe she's a Buffy fan. Maybe. It's true. True. I feel like there are a couple of bands that I started listening to because they were on Buffy. I feel like one of them was Kay's Choice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I don't remember what the other ones were, but there were definitely, because this is also, you must remember, the era of Napster. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like the ability to find these individual songs and download them and listen to them and like them enough to decide I wanted to go out and buy an album mm-hmm. from Sam Goody. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of, not at the Peach Pit, not at the Bronze, but like in terms of soundtrack, like the score, the soundtrack to Buffy, like there was a lot of Sarah McLaughlin. There was a lot. I mean, this was like an era of of feeling. <laughs> Once more with. Ooh. <laughs> uh, some of these bands, by the way, like I definitely first heard because Kate downloaded them from Napster and burned them onto a CD and mailed them to me in the mail. Probably, yes, that <laughs> that tracks. That's perfect. Um, so, yes, that's the 90s and Buffy, if you're unaware. <laughs> There's the Masquerade at the Bronze and 
Xander and Willow are like, oh, like you should come with us. It'll be great. And Buffy's like, oh, well, I'll talk to Giles. And she talks to Giles and Giles is like, you absolutely can't go. And she's like, okay, but I'm going to do it anyway. And if there are vampires around, then I'll not, I'll, I'll go slay vampires but I'm going to go to the bronze first. And Giles puts up like, he's like, oh, I'm mad, but fine. Yeah. Um, by the way, I do want to point out that Aphrodisia calls Buffy a walking X-File. And then like the next chapter, it seems like Buffy doesn't super know what the X-Files are. Yes. I guess someone can call you something. You don't have to know what it is. But anyway, they go to the masquerade and her co- Buffy's costume is like a sexy pirate. Cause she's like, this is, practical slaying clothes my sexy pirate outfit i I really that gave me pause because i really was like sex sexy pirate like it was a lot of it i've seen a lot of sexy halloween costumes sexy cat sexy this sexy that and in fact i think in the halloween episode of buffy where cordelia is dressed like a cat like yeah but sexy pirates new and it kind of gives me some ideas for october (laughs) (laughs) it can be like a real deep cut because you're like actually i'm buffy as a hot pirate (laughs) From, from Halloween from Rain. <laughs> Halloween Rain, do you not know? <laughs> so so actually, before Buffy goes to the bronze, Giles explains why Halloween oh, yeah, is yeah. such a... I guess we should talk about like the actual plot of the book, too. Whatever. Giles explains why Halloween is such a big deal, and basically is like, in the before times... There was start the year only lasted from like March to October, and then the other years, the other t- months when it was dark, that was like when the demons came out. But then, as Christianity happened, that time of year shrunk to only three days between Halloween and November second, and that is when Sam Hain the spirit of Halloween is in charge and can wreak havoc on the world. Mm-hmm. And he killed a slayer in an old timey slayer. So like we have to be careful. And then Xander also explains that there was, there's a, a rumor, a myth in Sunnydale that if you walk in a field with a scarecrow, on Halloween night, if it's raining, the scarecrow will come to life and kill you. Which is such a specific yes. urban legend. A lot of conditionals. I, I need to tell you that the plot of this was so... Like, I was trying to imagine it as a Buffy episode, and I was like, it would never be. Because I was like, wait, what? Like, a hundred times. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was really like... Yeah, okay. It is it, it it is sort of the launching of here's what's going to happen and yet I still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially so he's like the season is Sam Queen and the guy is Sam Hain and they like keep going back and forth. I'm like also I feel like I've heard about this sort of from like pagans that I know, but obviously not in a sinister way. Wait, but can I ask a question though because so this got me googling because I feel like any word like that I I like I'll find like my friend who's Irish. I'll like, I do the thing where I pronounce all of his siblings names wrong. And then mm-hmm. when I Googled it, it was like, saw when mm, like, it was some sort of like gay, like holiday. But then I was like, I don't actually know. I don't know. I don't know either. I didn't. But I like, I like Hain because that's, I feel like that's how I read it, but it could be like, I, I was, it probably is supposed to be pronounced differently. 
But you know what? In this pumpkin timeline, we'll pronounce the H for our yeah. own sanities. Yeah, we'll do this American style in this pumpkin yeah. timeline. Yes. Yeah. And anyway, it's probably for the best that we're like keeping this like weird Buffy lore separate from any like actual cultural beliefs that may exist. Yes. Like this is its own thing. It's Sam Hain with an H. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at, they're all at the masquerade. They're all at the bronze. And, you know, the three Buffy and Willow and Giles are there. And then also Cordelia, the mean girl who doesn't like them, is there with her friends. And there's also, so there's a, she's flirting with a guy who is dressed in a stereotypical native American costume. Mm -hmm. And then an actual native dude walks up to the guy in the costume and like gives him shit about it. Mm -hmm. And in my Googling to figure out like the, where I I found out that Christopher Golden was like, yeah, like we sent this to mutant enemy and they were like, yeah, just fucking go for it. So don't blame us. Hmm. Um, also, apparently, the first three books were supposed to have the first three original books that weren't novelizations of the show were supposed to have a quote unquote cowboy and Indians theme. What? Oh, no. They all like had to have an element of that in it. And I do think it's very interesting. Like, it almost reads as if Christopher Golden and Nancy Holder were like, well, that's very racist. So if we're going to include it, we're going to do it in a way that addresses the fact that it's kind of racist. I also wonder, like, about that episode, there is an episode where there's, like, a like a party where people are supposed to be dressed as, like, different cultures. And it is, like, a full-blown mess of an episode in the sense that, like, someone is dressed in the, at this, by the way, Party at the Bronze, sponsored by the school, where people <laughs> are supposed to be celebrating different yes. cultures. And there's a person dressed as a Hasidic Jew. Oh boy. I this is the Goldstein where I was like, oh no. And then somebody's it's like every appropriative thing that could happen is happening in that episode. And of yes. course, when I read this, I didn't know if the authors were like, that was bad and we're gonna make commentary on it, but I guess it would have been before that that they wrote this. Okay, yeah. but also I do not want to give them too much credit because the way that they describe Cordelia flirting with the man in the American Indian costume is that she was quote working overtime for TP time. Oh okay. no. Oh okay. no. I like, <laughs> that and, like blocked it out of my brain like based on shame and embarrassment. But thank you for reminding me. I had to read it a couple times because at first when they described the leather costume, I was picturing like a like Davy Crockett or something. And I, I didn't initially understand that it was that that's what it was supposed to be. And then I was like, overtime for TP time. And then I went back and rewrote and I was like, oh, I guess. And then I kept going. I was like, oh, oh. Anyway, also the Phantom of the Opera is there. Yes. Yeah, somebody is dressed as Phantom of the Opera, which I think <laughs> might have been like in the zeitgeist maybe as a film or maybe as musical like i feel like it was a bigger deal back then than it is now it's still a huge deal meredith what are i know like now is it though <laughs> Like, we used to listen to, like, a record, or maybe it was a CD, of the soundtrack, like, in my house at that time. I'm not throwing it on that much here, but maybe I should be. <laughs> we'll move on. This is, we're not, we've already done our Android Weber episode. Yeah. Um, by the way, also, Buffy calls 
Cordelia a harlot while she's working overtime for TV time. And I'm just like, this is a lot of mixed messages. Yeah. <laughs> so also, Willow and when Willow and Xander show up, they're dressed like Mulder and Scully. And like Renata says, like Buffy doesn't seem to get the costume. But also there's a whole thing where they're like, Willow had dyed her brown hair red. And not only is it that are they saying that Willow had brown hair, but then they're making a whole plot point over the fact that it's now red. But it was, it was always red. It was always red. I think I didn't understand, but then it was like kind of written. I really do feel like this went through like a, we have a deadline and we're going to do a quick draft because then they say something like, yeah, duh, it's red or whatever they say. But I was like, wait, what? I, I didn't understand. Yeah, spoilers for the end of the app. This is my dramatic reading, so you'll get the whole thing, listeners. But yeah, like, where Willow is sort of sarcastic, like, yeah, my hair was always red. But I was like, wasn't it? But then because I'm a, a casual woman uh, Buffy fan, I was like, wait, wasn't her hair red? I genuinely was prepared to be like, oh, I'm misremembering. And so I went to, like, the Buffy wiki, and it, it says, you know, like, hair red, and then it says nicknames red. I was like, her nickname is red? Like, come on. Her hair's red. Yeah, her hair is definitely red, and my theory about this has become, in thinking about it, and I, so this is, A, one of the things I remember most strongly about reading this in 1997 was being outraged about this, but the thing that I'm thinking about now is, if you were unaware, the original pilot for Buffy, they recast Willow when it got a series order, and reshot the pilot, and the original actress for Willow was a brunette. And the pilot is also the only place that that character Aphrodisia or whatever Uh shows up. So my new working theory is that perhaps they were working off like an old script or they were working off the original pilot for some reason. Oh. Okay. Here, can I add to that theory? Yes. Which is that maybe that's how they started and then adding things like it gives me the Wiggins and adding a teacher named Flutie, which is a character from the show. Like perhaps in edits as the episodes aired, they were like, Oh, we'll throw in this, we'll throw in that. And they didn't go back and fix the biggie mistakes because the aphrodisia, that's really interesting that that's where, cause I was like, I don't think that's a, that's a person, but if it was from the pilot, like maybe this was done sort of slapdash in a way where they added some references and just never, went back and fixed that one of the three main characters has red hair. <laughs> yes. So it's just very like, I, cause I, I had Googled aphrodisia when I first started reading it. Cause I was like, this feels like a role that they would give to like harmony or something. Yeah. Not this must be a fake character. But the fact that like she had a full name, I was like, huh? And I Googled it and she, is a character but she's only in that one episode but she is also in the original pilot both the original pilot and the pilot that aired Mm. so that's my theory and i think that we have all i think that this is a good we've all added to this in such a way that i feel like it feels right it feels true (laughs) yeah yes well to quote xander before we move on hair red red is good fire engines are red porsches are red so I, I think I think that's given us all a lot to think about. <laughs> Dude, I like cars. The end. 
Anyway, there's a bunch of vampires at the bronze. Yes. And there, Buffy notices them and one of them comes up to her and is like, hey, like, she she confronts a vampire and the vampire's like, no, like, it's a truce for us. Like, this is an important night for us. So, like, we're not going to feed on anyone. So I think that we should just, like, agree to disagree for one night and we won't kill anyone. We're just here to listen to the band and scope out hotties in costumes, I guess, and other 90s things. And there's no need for you to slay all of us. But then Buffy sees one of their, like the French exchange student going down into the basement of the bronze with a vampire. And she's like, hmm. And when she gets down there, all of, there's like five vampires who are all feeding on teenagers, including the guy who tried to make a truce with her. And she's like, well, fuck this then and slays them. Yes. Also, at this time, much is made of like her Slayer bag that she has with her that has a bunch of stakes and crosses and stuff like that in it. Just because then later it's revealed that Xander stole something from her bag, which is cool. A cool, normal thing to do. <laughs> While she's down there, she's had like Willow, she tells Willow and Xander to like watch the door. And they get distracted from watching the door by, like, these two, like, hot people who come up to them and, like, try to seduce them. And then wait, Willow... Wait, but Kate, wait, there are vampires dressed in Old West costumes. Yes, that is the, yes. the, the cowboys of the cowboys. Yes! Movie. And they realize, yes, they're vampires. And they're like, well, we're friends with the Slayer. So unless you want to get slayed, leave us alone. And they're like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they leave <laughs> and then we are getting some like uh flash flat not a flashback flash over scene per- scene change to meanwhile giles is like in the library researching halloween shit yeah there's a lot of giles pushing up his glasses which <laughs> to be fair is like the show <laughs> Honestly, like a super cut of Giles pushing up his glasses would probably be like seven hours long, which <laughs> as a person who does like adjust my glasses 700 times a day, I do feel that. <laughs> so Buffy does all the slaying of the vampires and then comes up and there is like hanging out with her friends again. And then like the old, old crazy man from town, the old man who's, you know, yelling at the corner about the end of the world comes to the bronze and is like zombies are coming under the thrall of the pumpkin king everyone beware and they're all like you're a crazy old man but Buffy's like hmm this sounds like maybe it's a real thing so I should talk to him actually here's what she says have you guys considered the majorly depressing possibility that the old guy isn't as follow my nose fruit loopy as the rest of the town has an aching desire to believe just totally cool Buffy dialogue. <laughs> and then also, I'm sorry, I just got to read. This is how she describes the way he talks. His accent reminded her of Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future 3 when he played his own Irish immigrant great-grandfather. This- Sometimes it concerned her that her head was filled with so many pop culture references that she had one for every occasion. Maybe the reason she wasn't doing too hot in school was because she didn't have room in her brains for any more stuff. I think that this is the author's projecting because they've written a lot of books for, you know, a lot of IP for for comic book type stuff. And they're like, 
maybe this is all we know. And that is <laughs> I love that line so much. They're like, they're like, this is about me. Maybe, maybe all we can think about is stuff like Back to the Future 3. I meant to Google this and I didn't. Do either of you know when Back to the Future 3 came out? I, ugh, I'm going to, let me Google this because I, I remember seeing it. Um, I mean, one was 85. Yeah. So probably like, Late 80s, early 90s? 1990. Okay. All right. So I guess that wasn't that long before this book takes place. It just feels like a very dated reference. It dated reference for an already dated book. But like, no, it was definitely, I feel like now having Googled the authors and knowing their age and that kind of thing, this is a, that was a reference for them, not a teenager. Yeah, right. like it. It definitely. If you if we're working, because if we're working on the fact that they're all, it's 1997 and they're all 16, then they would have been what, 11. like, yeah, yeah. Like, and the thing too is like, I feel like Back to the Future one, timeless classic, quotable today, fully. Three, no. And if we are, if I'm gonna be a geek again, like there are episodes where Buffy like doesn't clearly doesn't have cable like she's actually not sort of in the know with this stuff that mu- that much yeah it's a, it's an awkward it's an awkward thing to to wedge in there like i get the pinky in the brains i get the the all of the like very quote-unquote timely celebrity mentions like dr kvorkian and dennis rodman and all of this stuff but that one feels very like it was not of the moment then it is not particularly memorable memorable enough that it feels like it would have been even like a reference that would have been made. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this, she goes over to the old crazy man and is like, hey, old crazy man, like, what's up? I don't actually think you're crazy. And he starts telling her about the zombies and the pumpkin king. And then for reasons that were not particularly clear to me, he kind of turns on a dime and is like, no, like, you're just like the rest of them. You don't believe me. You're a liar. You are leading me on like why would you be like this and like starts lashing out at her and then gets kicked out of the bronze for being crazy at her also i like that this alarmist man who wants to tell somebody about this problem just like went to the local nightclub yes (laughs) tell all the 16 year olds (laughs) you know Oh, well, so then Buffy is like, oh, but we probably should listen to him. So I am going to go to the graveyard and check it out, but we don't have cell phones. So let's split up and you guys go and talk to Giles and see if you can like get some research and like BRB, I'll be at the graveyard. Yes. So back at the high school, Giles has looked in these old Slayer diaries and has found or these old Watcher diaries and has found the diary of a Watcher from the olden time times Hmm. And who his slayer died fighting Samhain, but the year before she died fighting Samhain, they successfully like drove him away for the night. So he's like making notes based on these old timey diaries and is all ready to go to like find Buffy so that they can find Samhain when Willow and Buffy show up at the, or Xander and Willow show up at the school and they are being chased by the cowboy vampires who tried to seduce them in the bronze. Yes. And so they tell Giles what's happening and he's like, okay, we'll make a plan to stop them. Oh, and this is where Xander casually reveals he stole a cross from Buffy's bag and he uses that to like 
stun the vampires but doesn't kill them. And to express his confusion over the whole situation, Xander says, either I'm having a heart attack or Nev Campbell has agreed to be my bride. Again, what? I, you know what? That didn't even rub for me, which I think means that I was so in it at that point. I was like, <laughs> Nev Campbell, it's 90s, sure. But that would be like, good, right? Like, we liked Nev Campbell movies? So, I don't know. Anyway. So they, Giles comes up with this, like, very bizarre plan where, like, they act as bait to get the vampires into the school and corral them into the library where they lock them in with the blinds taken off the window so that they'll die in the morning when the sun comes up. Mm -hmm. But also like the library at Sunnydale high is kind of notoriously like dark and weird and creepy. So I feel like there's certainly were corners where they could hide and then like spring out and kill some janitors in the morning. But whatever, this was their like. He's not a responsible librarian. Yes, this is their great plan. So they they do that, and then they head off to the graveyard so that they can meet up with Buffy, who has in fact found there are zombies at the graveyard, and they're real gross. Mm-hmm. And Mister O'Leary is already there fighting them, and he's like, "Oh, I knew you! I knew you were like a good person to talk to, Buffy." And they, even though like, I yelled yeah. at you, I don't know. Yeah, he's crazy. What do you want from him? Okay, so Mr. O'Leary's dead brother comes up as a zombie, and he is dressed as a clown. And Buffy's like, oh, I'm scared of clowns. It's the 90s, scared of clowns. But then she's like, was your brother a clown? Mr. O'Leary's like, no, he was not a clown. Like, someone has done this as a joke. And that was never resolved. And, like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, It's (laughs) very... uh, Everything... Yeah. I want a spin-off novel about Mr. O'Leary and his clown zombie brother. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, Mr. O'Leary as a character felt, and and uh, now that you have done this book, like Mr. O'Leary felt like a character who could have been from the Vampire Diaries book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like 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 a town person who's like, oh, let me tell you the town history. Yeah, he shows up at Founders Day. Yeah, like he's definitely yeah. come over from Mystic Falls to Sunnydale and been like, I'm just going <laughs> to tell you some town lore that may or may not make sense. <laughs> yes, correct. Anyway, Mr. O'Leary dies of a heart attack caused by zombie fear, but not actually caused by zombies. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh so hard. <laughs> zombie, zombie fear is just... I mean, it happens. <laughs> So there's there's another like weird con- I know I said I would stop doing like weird continuity things here, but Buffy like makes a point of being like, oh, and I'm scared of clowns, except that, and she's scared of clowns and ventriloquist dummies, and the ventriloquist dummies is something that comes up in the show, but the clowns like very I'm gonna say very famously as if fucking anyone else remembers <laughs> this thing from 1996 besides me. I mean, probably a lot of people do. This show is popular. Whatever it is, I'm going to remember it, so don't you worry. (laughs) Kind of famously in season one, there's an episode where they're all confronting their worst nightmares, and Buffy doesn't care about clowns. Xander's biggest fear is clowns. Okay, well, let me read to you the exact quote about clowns, because I think it's also possible that Buffy is, like, having a stroke. (laughs) The quote is, clowns wigged her, and ventriloquist dummies... And dying and raisins, raisin bran, 
Something about Raisin Brain. I think there were a lot of moments in the book that I was like, is this a typo or is this the way it's supposed to be? Right. Is like, because it is clearly Raisin Bran and then the second instance is Raisin Brain. And is that like her having a stroke and reassociating or was one of those a typo? I don't know. It's a third person narrator. What what could it mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so they Buffy like is able to like fight off some of the zombies because she notices that they're not at the far side of the cemetery, which abuts a farm, I guess. Conveniently. And, so she, and also, she, by the way, and also an apple orchard. And I was like, <laughs> are there apples in California in October? But maybe there are. I don't know. There for sure are in the pumpkin timeline. Yes, and, and there are here in October, but I also don't know. I feel like that means maybe there aren't right. in California it's a different the climate's so it's a different. different climate. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, she, she sees this, like, that they're not going out into the, the field. So she's like, ah, oh, I'll just escape to the field. And then when she gets there, she notices that the scarecrow from the field is missing. And she remembers what... Xander and Willow had said about the scarecrows coming alive. And she's like, oh shit. And she can't get back into the cemetery because there's some weird barrier keeping she could get people can come in, but they can't leave. Like like a magic force field kind of thing. Yes. And she dropped her bag of Slayer toys as well. Yeah. So she doesn't have any weapons. And that's about the time that Giles, Willow, and Xander arrive at the graveyard and they see all the zombies. And they start trying to fight the zombies, and but they can't get to Buffy because they're surrounded. And Buffy tells them not to follow her because if they cross over, they can't get out. And she has also met now the creepy scarecrow pumpkin king Samhain, who has like, I mean, he sounds he sounds pretty rad. He, <laughs> he does sound pretty rad, and I am saying this. Yes, admittedly, as a person who follows the hashtag code orange, which people post when they find stores starting to put out their Halloween decorations <laughs> over the summer. This is kind of my whole aesthetic, but he's got, he's a scarecrow, but he's got like a big pumpkin head that has like green fire coming out of it. Sounds pretty rad. I would hang that up in my house. Well, he reminded me of like the Batman Scarecrow because he also like makes like capital S Scarecrow character because he also seems to like control her fear, like causing like more fear than she would normally feel. Yes. And also the description too is if you are familiar with the film The Nightmare Before Christmas, mm -hmm. during the opening number of Nightmare Before Christmas, the Pumpkin King Jack Skellington is dressed as a Scarecrow. Mm -hmm. And that's also what I kept picturing in my head. I did too. I I was definitely picturing a Nightmare Before Christmas thing. Yes. But apparently he's bad. I don't know. I thought he was pretty cool. I mean, he is bad. He's making her feel like all of these fears and overwhelming her senses. But also he looks pretty rad while he's doing it. Also, she's in a field of pumpkins and the pumpkins have all become like creatures with mm -hmm. teeth that are attacking her, which did remind me of Steven Universe with the pumpkin dog. But in a that's cuter, probably, than mm -hmm. this was, I imagine. Anyway, those are all of my references of <laughs> things that are aesthetically pleasing to me that reminded me of this book. <laughs> I thought it sounded scary and not cute, <laughs> personally. Anyway, then 
smash cut back to the graveyard. They're all bantering and such. Then they find they find Buffy's bag also, and they're like, "Oh no, Buffy needs this." And then Giles does a in my notes I've described it as a zombie euthanasia spell. Like he just does a spell, and they all just sort of like die again. And it's like, why didn't you do that in the first place? But he did it. And then they have they make these wards, which are like they make like magic sticks. But the final ingredient to make the magic sticks is apple juice. So c- conveniently, <laughs> like, to you know, if it had needed, like, orange juice, they'd be fucked. But it's apple juice. So they're like, okay, well, we definitely all have to go into the apple orchard now to, like, give Buffy her bag and juice an apple. So they this, do. This book was brought to you by the big, big apple industry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so then they go into the orchard and then they're sort of like beset also by these weird creatures, but they're, once they get the apple juice, their magic sticks like repel them. Yes. And they just, they, Giles explains that like to capture, to trap Sam Hain, they have to like surround him by these sigils, with these sigils. And then in the olden times diary that he read, they burned Sam Hain and that banished him for a year. So they set up, there's an old barn that Buffy has run to when she was scared by the fear powers of the pumpkin King. And she's like, Oh, well we'll do it there. And then we'll set the barn on fire. But then she realizes that that only banishes him for a year and she wants to banish him forever. And she realizes that because the, magic wand with apple juice will trap him in his form if she launches one of those into him trapping him in his form as his form burns he will die forever so she whittles one of the magic apple juice wands down to fit in a crossbow and then does crossbows him with it so that he (laughs) he burns forever yeah I do. There is also a moment that I liked where when they're doing the like the sigils and drawing them, Buffy draws them with lipstick, which I which is like if a witch was on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I liked it. I mean, in in Buffy, like I I thought it was a good detail, too, because she's like, they're like, well, what what will we do? And she's like, well, I have lipstick. Yeah. And that as a person who always has 95 lipsticks in her purse at any given time. I mean, I do also usually have a couple Sharpies, but it did feel very <laughs> hashtag relatable to be like, ah, uh, yes, I do have something that I can write this with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then she does it. And then it ends very abruptly. Yes. It's like we hit our word count. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely. <laughs> and it, it was especially funny, too, because usually like in most Buffy episodes, like they do the thing and they defeat the bad guy. And then there's always the like epilogue scene where it's like they're back at school the next day talking about how they beat the bad guy or whatever and not this nope they set a barn on fire and they were like let's like it mm-hmm. and they did yeah Kate you read a lot of these when you were younger are they all do you remember them as all being basically I read this? hold on one second So I have 10 of them, including this one and including novelizations, uh, a couple novelizations of episodes. That was such a thing in the 90s. I feel like you could not get away with doing now. Yes. Uh, And I loved it. (laughs) The thing that I think is weird about this book, well, you know, so much to me of like, oh, companion IP or 
or like books about shows or whatever is like getting more about side characters or relationships and like fundamentally I think Buffy works because it's a show about relationships and I'm never that interested in like the lore of whatever and this book like it doesn't really give Buffy like I kind of liked that Buffy doesn't really have a love interest like it doesn't really get into Buffy's romantic situation but it seems to be a book when it comes to characters about like Willow and Xander Mm -hmm. like the will like they definitely these authors were told like this is a will they or won't they situation. And so like lean in with that. Like there's even a lot of Buffy being like, wow, my friends are extra brave because they don't have superpowers. And I just sort of felt like I expected there to be like a Buffy potential guy situation. And that's not really what it is. It's like kind of a weird, like, you know, Skulder, you know, Skulder. (laughs) That's that's their ship name, Skulder. (laughs) That seemed to be it for characters. And then there's like a moment toward the end where like, I don't know if you remember where like Buffy and Giles look at each other and they're like, we have synergy as Slayer and Watcher. And like, that was the prime, like where I was like, okay, I guess, I guess that's what they're going for in terms of character development, but everything else was like zombie, zombie, scarecrow spell. Yeah. This one is also much shorter than most of the other ones. Oh. Which just, I mean, and I say that without, by my my measure of that is looking at, I just got up, when I got up now, it was to look at them in case that wasn't obvious on the bookshelf (laughs) in the room that I slept in, that I had as a child, and looking at all of them on the shelf, and the other ones are thicker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this felt very like I was like oh I wonder how long it'll take me and then I was like oh, I'm done <laughs> yeah basically and I to be honest I don't remember a ton about them like, like I said I had like 10 of them I imagine I read most of them most of them have cracked spines so I'm guessing I read them and like god knows I read like the x-files ones over and over and over again so I probably as, read as them. As discussed on previous episodes, if you missed yeah. them, go back. But as discussed in that episode last summer, like, I remember the plots, at least vaguely, of a lot of the X-Files ones still, but I don't super remember anything that happened in any of these Buffy ones. Well, that's fair. I'm Like, it's already fading for me. Yeah. And <laughs> already it, on its way out. I I feel like too. I almost like because and I, I do frequently. Like I said, like I fucking love when they make like a novelization of a movie or a show, and it gives you all of that. Like because of the the structure of a novel versus a television show, like you get like what people are thinking and like what motivations are in a way that you don't necessarily get in the watching the thing itself. And also because frequently they're working off scripts before movies have been fully edited. You get a lot of like the things that become cut scenes, mm-hmm. you know, deleted scenes later on. So I, I did like reading those, I think with Buffy more to like read the ones that were like, Oh, like this is just a novelization of an episode, but we get to know what Willow's thinking in this scene. So I don't know if that speaks to the quality of the writing of these versus the X-Files ones or what, but <laughs> I mean, the the quality is bad <laughs> here. Well, speaking of which, why don't we get into our dramatic readings and just give you all a, a dose of this? All right. I am starting and I'm literally just going to read the beginning of the book. <laughs> starting from page one. It was getting late. In the dim moonlight, the statues atop the gravestones in the Sunnydale Cemetery cast strange shadow shapes across the dark mounds under which the town's dead lay. 
How long they might stay buried was in question, of course, since Sunnydale had another name. Early Spanish settlers called it Boca del Inferno. Buffy Summers did not need to habla to translate. She lived in the Hellmouth, literally. The cemetery provided the clearest indication of the town's true nature. Weeping stone angels became laughing devils. Hands clasped, clasped in prayer looked like ripping claws. Crosses hung upside down. Way boring. Buffy the Vampire Slayer stood just outside the cemetery and scanned the darkness among the gravestones for trouble. She sighed heavily as she leaned her elbows on the cemetery's granite wall. October 30th was almost over. She'd been out on patrol for hours and she hadn't seen one vampire, one demon, one witch, one anything. Well, okay, one witch. In gym. But Cordelia didn't count. She wasn't <laughs> supernaturally evil. She only acted like a broom rider. Buffy understood. Poor Cordelia was cursed with popularity, great clothes, and no lie, she was a babe. Naturally, she had to take her frustrations out on everybody who didn't have it as good as she did. Buffy supposed she should count her own blessings. She and Giles, her watcher, had both expected the Halloween season to be the equivalent of finals for her Slayer diploma. All through October, she'd trained hard, kept in shape, and sharpened up some very thick and sturdy pieces of wood. She was psyched for slaughter. She was pumped for pounding. The little things a teenager gets excited about. But now, standing outside the graveyard, the only monsters she were fighting were major Godzilla yawns. Buffy was so not thrilled. She hadn't seen any extreme vampire action for three weeks. Or much of anything else. Zip, zilch, nada. She'd been so bored, she actually started to study. But that novelty was so over. Still, no vamp sightings? Wasn't this cause for putting on a happy face? But yeah, it's just very, especially <laughs> once you get into that second page, it's like, let's make this sound as much like a teenager as possible, I guess. You can imagine how quickly I typed pump, pumped for pounding. It was just, <laughs> I yeah. I can't. Ugh. All right. Well, now, now I'm going to cross the IP streams and bring you Buffy meets X-Files. Willow and Xander were wearing suits. Xander's hair was slicked back. He was a new Xander, a bizarro world Xander, too young to be a yuppie and too clean cut to be himself. Willow was in a baggy dark blue suit with a skirt that hung down to her low heels. Oddly, her hair gleamed with a henna wash, and it looked pretty good. But as if to cancel out the color's cool factor, she had tied it back with a severe tortoiseshell clip. Accountants, how unique, Buffy said brightly. I wish I'd thought of that. I could be scoring major babe points as we speak. Willow frowned. No, Buffy, not accountants. Xander looked dashed. Scully and Mulder, the X-Files. He flashed her a badge that read Sunnydale Junior Policeman and muttered, FBI, you're under arrest for killing dead guys. Buffy laughed. It's perfect. I'm not exhibiting much originality, I fear. Just a pirate queen. She posed. You two slap the cuffs on and I'll run them through. Oh, you look totally seaworthy, Xander gushed. Willow added, I thought you might dress up like a vampire. You know, as a joke. 
too too self-referential. Besides, if I screwed up the uniform, I might piss him off. Off pissing of vampires. You'd never want to do that. Willow touched her hair a little shyly. So how do I look as a redhead? A hottie, Buffy assured her. Maybe you should keep it. Xander looked confused as he glanced at Willow. You did something to your hair? Willow and Buffy traded glances and looked back at him. Willow looked philosophical and said, No, Xander, I've always had red hair. But, like, you have? (laughs) You have! And also, why did they make Mulder and Scully costumes but then make the badge say Sunnydale Junior Policeman? He says FBI, and he's like, the badge says Sunnydale Junior Policeman. Just make a fake FBI badge for your costume. Hello? Hello. Yeah. Hello, 1997. Calling you. (laughs) Fix your shit. <laughs> anyway. As you can tell, there are so many random pop culture references. And the this is a short reading, but uh, like mentions of also Christian Slater, En Vogue, the harmonizing of En Vogue. Um, and you mentioned the pinky and the brain part, but that, that really stuck with me when I read it because I, it seemed like they were just wedging in another... <laughs> Another show. Um, But anyway, I'm going to read that part. Giles pushed his glasses up his nose. There it is. And looked at the Slayer. Buffy, he asked. Buffy sighed. His extreme boredom point would be that whatever happened up until tonight meant as much as political promise, she explained. Tonight, the dead pull a pinky in the brain and try to take over the world. Xander and Willow stared at Buffy, then glanced at Giles before meeting each other's gaze. Finally, Xander said, Willow, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Yes, Xander. Indeed, Willow replied, then looked at Buffy and Giles as if they'd flunked kindergarten. Maybe I haven't been, you know, paying attention, she said, but why hasn't this happened before? Okay, since Buffy's been here, things have gotten weirder, but Sunnydale is at the mouth of the hell, remember? Is at the mouth of hell, remember? If Halloween was all that, wouldn't the whole town have been dusted decades ago? Well, Giles replied, there is that. Wait, Buffy said, you just said since nobody believes in these guys anymore, Halloween keeps shrinking, right? Something like that, Giles admitted. I I get it, Xander said. So the, the, the pinky in the brain thing just is like a random, we know a line from a show. <laughs> yeah. It's very... I, I yeah, it I definitely feels like they maybe went through and were like, we have to make this sound more pop culturally culturey, more teenagery. Let's put in as much weird slang and as many references as we can. Even if they don't really make sense, no one will notice or well, care. And I gotta say, I kinda loved it. It didn't make sense. <laughs> like every time I read a reference, I'd be like, right. That happened too. <laughs> Christian Slayer was hot. And we harmonies. Like, you know, it's just like, if we're reading for nostalgia, why not? It's like the Ready Player One of of other pop, pop culture references to Buffy for no good reason. Oh my God. That's such a good comparison. It's like, we know some things. We've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to reader's advisory and suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to Halloween Rain. Uh, as ever, I do not actually recommend Ready Player One. No, no, no. <laughs> I do have I do have some stuff 
I don't know if you know this about me, and you certainly wouldn't have guessed it before when I was like, I follow Halloween accounts on Instagram that post pictures of interiors of Michaels with Halloween decorations out. (laughs) But I like Halloween. And so this got me in a very Halloweeny mood. So here are some things that I that remind me of this book, both like spiritually and more broadly. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie, besides having like a really weird ending did feel like kind of like a I don't want to say a better version of this but like a way that kind of was the if you don't believe in folklore if you believe in folklore it could hurt you if you don't believe in it bad things can happen sort of dealio Um, and also like good scarecrow visuals Small Spaces by Catherine Arden I was I think was one of my favorite books that I read the last time I we did a you know, year in review and is a fucking phenomenal book of which scarecrows are the major antagonists and it's fantastic. Absolutely read it if you like creepy things. And Over the Garden Wall, which I recommend all the time, is very Halloween-y, very aesthetically similar. And if you like creepy things from the 90s, why not check out the greatest movie of all time, The Blair Witch Project? <laughs> I this isn't exactly a recommendation because I haven't read it, but just today was announced the upcoming publication of a Nightmare Before Christmas tie-in novel called Long Live the Pumpkin Queen by Shay Earnshaw. So that just sounds thematically relevant. Like it sounds like people who enjoyed Halloween Rain would also enjoy Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. So I don't know. Look for that. I would also like to take this time to once again recommend Things That Grow by Meredith Goldstein, which my mom loved. Also. <laughs> <laughs> Badly unrelated, but you know. <laughs> no, but you know what, though? they There is graveyards. Uh, there and, are, well, there are... not exactly, but they turned it into a graveyard. They turned everywhere they went into a little graveyard. And there, there are some vague, vague mentions of, of vamp- vampires, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. So perfect. You should read it. <laughs> I there's actually in chapter two Buffy's mother um is watching the movie Fright Night and I would assume the original um which is a very big movie favorite vampire movie in my household so I don't know that it completely holds up but it it I think it, it might but I was also going to say that for people who aren't Buffy people they might want to watch my favorite Buffy Halloween episode which is has was not written or directed by Joss Whedon. Hmm. (laughs) And it is called Fear Itself. And it sort of is about all of the characters experiencing all of their anxieties played out. And, Hmm. you know, that sort of feels like my 2020 and 2021. So I feel like that can be good. It also has my favorite Buffy villain named Gacknar, which Kate probably knows. Great. Spooky. Um, on this show, we in the past have recommended fan fiction, and I will continue to recommend it. I, again, because I'm a, a casual Buffy fan, I haven't really read any Buffy fan fiction, but I'm sure there's tons of it. Yeah, oh yeah. There was tons of it in like 1998 when I was reading it. I haven't read it in a very long time, but I guarantee that people have probably kept writing it for the past, you know, 15 years or whatever. So I'm sure there's a lot out there in whatever pairings your little brain can dream up for these people. All right. Well, we'll have all of these and some others up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. I want to play a quick would you rather. This is unscheduled. But I just want to quickly 
I just want to quickly go around and ask, would you rather dance at the bronze or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that only serves steaks and cakes? Well, I'm not a very big dancer, and I do prefer my going out times to include eating. Uh, so I do I do think I would go with steaks and cakes. I actually didn't eat before we started recording this podcast, so I could really go for a steak and a whole cake right now. <laughs> I would also say steaks and cakes, and I would partly because I know the bronze has a cockroach problem based on my watching the show. <laughs> and I would just request that Michelle Branch sing Goodbye to You. <laughs> so I could have the best of both worlds. And I actually think that, like, in a world where Steaks and Cakes is in Sunnydale, it would be spelled Steaks, like, Vampire Steaks and Cakes. Ooh, that's, yes. That's so good. It. I can't believe I haven't made that joke before. Meredith, you're a genius. Thank you. Thank so you. good. Ah, yes. Unfortunately, Steaks and Cakes does not play secular music, so Michelle Branch <laughs> can't be there. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle Branch. Well, I, you know what? I guess, I guess if it's s-t-a-k-e-s then michelle branch can be there okay, okay. <laughs> i guess we're we're in the pumpkin timeline the alternate steaks and cakes is also, no like, longer christian what if goodbye to you the song was really written about the devil and really pledge <laughs> to christianity okay yes all of yes all of this i'll meet you guys there i love it let's go Okay, but first, now let's play the Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in Halloween Rain, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in it, and Meredith will choose which most enhances the book, or can choose Paper, which is to leave it as is. Uh, So if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be an employee at the Bronze, and he would notice that Buffy and also the various vampires and victims... Uh, have been going down into the basement. Uh, so when he saw Buffy go, he would go down too to tell them that it was off limits and it's for employees only. But of course, he would walk into the middle of Buffy's vampire fight. And being the rock, he would, of course, immediately jump into the fray to help her with the vampires, which she doesn't need to do. She can handle it on her own. But they would do like some cool fight choreography, like fight duets or whatever. And it'd be really neat. Um, and then afterwards, he would be an honorary member of the Scooby gang. And, you know, maybe he would like pop up in episodes every once in a while when they need backup. And it'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. But if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be like a friendly acquaintance of Giles's. I said I had friend. I was like, I actually can't really picture them as friends. I don't know. <laughs> well, Giles, I don't know if you remember in his youth, Giles was a bad boy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah revoked their friends <laughs> their friends and wolverine comes to sunnydale to um to visit giles and to teach buffy some like cool stabs or whatever and then so he would be with giles in the library on halloween night and be able to sort of help them with the vampire attack maybe come up with something slightly better than their lock them in the library plan um and he would also maybe not so gently convince xander to be a little less creepy when he talks to and about women but ultimately, uh, Buffy would still be the one to save the day with the Pumpkin King. You know, I got to go with that partly because of the Giles history. And I'd love to know what sort of backstory Wolverine is like. I <laughs> firmly think that Wolverine and Giles maybe had a love affair. I also feel like 
I want to imagine a world in which The Rock shows up and is part of the Scooby gang, but I almost feel like The Rock and Buffy, it's like these like two glorious it, alphas, and I don't know how it would go. It would be like, it might be like The Rock and Vin Diesel. Yeah, it's not bad. Totally it. And I think in that situation, well, obviously The Rock is The Rock and Vin Diesel is is Buffy, but I feel like Buffy is like not like as much as she appreciates her fam friends and family, like she's also kind of too much of a loner to always admit that she would need the rock. And I think that would be hard for her. Yeah. It's a great point. Uh, all right. Well, I'm off to go write some Wolverine Giles fan fiction into um, it. So excited. But so while I'm writing that, I'll, I'll turn over to Duarte's corner where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. <laughs> Oh, Dorte. <laughs> I mean, so many thoughts. So many thoughts. You're and you're so right, Dorte. I think it would have been better if there had been more sexy cat Halloween costumes. I think that is a better costume than pirate. And I, I will point out, Dorte, that if you were to watch the season two episode Halloween, you do get Cordelia in a sexy cat costume. So <laughs> That'd be good. Um, also, I'm sure that there weren't any cats in that barn when it was on fire. I'm sure, like, even if that barn normally had a barn cat, I'm sure it got out in time. So, like, don't worry about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Duarte, thanks Thanks for your opinions, as ever. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? I mean, I want to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can help you out on that score. Sounds <laughs> like you're the library. <laughs> I like mostly this made me want to like go back and watch the first couple seasons of Buffy again, but also I kind of don't want to do that because yeah. I'd almost rather it live in my head <laughs> than actually revisit it. But we'll see what happens. Maybe when I'm done watching West Wing in its entirety for the fifth time, <laughs> I will venture towards revisiting Buffy. I've been revisiting the seasons that. Joss was not a showrunner on and and you know reevaluating that the villains may may be a nod to who the real <laughs> villains are in life um, <sighs> um, all right well what i have done just now is google buffy vampire slayer board game and i just want to announce that there is one yes. that you can buy on eBay for $14. Yep. My, one of my friends from middle school definitely had that and we definitely oh, played it. Oh man. There's multiple games actually. It looks like, okay. Just because uh, Meredith and I had recently played the vampire diaries board game, which is not that good, but like, I feel like it could be a, a worthy life goal to just build up a vampire themed board game collection. Well, we also played the twilight eclipse board game and I feel yes. like, Yeah. Yes, which more on, more on that later. Yes, podcast in podcast terms. But yeah, just that's just some food for thought. I'm dropping that this game exists, and maybe we should do something about it. Yes, I mean I'm down. I don't. I'm not still friends with the person in high school or middle school who had this game, but I am looking at pictures of it on Amazon and remembering vaguely playing it. <laughs> well, you know. Not to jump ahead too much, we do have a, a Patreon, and we can probably spend $14 of Patreon money to buy one. Seems like a good investment. It's true. 
But first, before we tell you more about the Patreon, if you want to follow us as a podcast on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Worst Bestseller, spelled normally. And then we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because, you know, the S was there in the original pilot, but then we had to make some changes before we brought it to air and we had to drop the S there on Twitter. The, the S doesn't have, hasn't dyed her hair red yet. Right. <laughs> yes. uh, we also have a Goodreads group that you can access by going to our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the places where podcasts are. You know where they are. That's how you're listening to this right now. <laughs> uh, and if you do subscribe to us, please rate and review us. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, we will lock you in the library with some vampires. <gasps> Although as previously explained, it might not be that hard to hide from them given the way that library is set up. <laughs> you can also find us, as Renata mentioned, on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestsellers. Patreon is a platform where you offer a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our editing software, keep our website running, all sorts of things like that, buy Buffy board games so that we mm -hmm. can play them together, the mm -hmm. important stuff in life. Mm -hmm. uh, in return, there are perks for you like a newsletter, stickers and postcards in the mail, and all sorts of stuff that you can read about there. You can also find some merch for our show if you go to worstbestsellers.com and click on merch. And there's all sorts of designs from our show so that you can wear our podcast on your body. And hey, finally, we hey, have- Sorry, I have to interrupt. You got to make a new shirt, like with a new Steaks and Cakes logo to reflect the like- <laughs> Steaks and Cakes. cakes. With, like, with like a drip of blood coming down. <laughs> Love it. Um, what was I? Discord. <laughs> we have a Discord server. <laughs> it's great. Uh, all sorts of stuff that you can talk about on there, including a channel called Steaks and Cakes where you can show off food <laughs> that you've made or, I guess, steaks that you've whittled now. <laughs> you can get to that by going to worstbestsellers.com and finding the link to our Discord there. If you just want me personally online, I'm at Renata Snacks on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you're looking for me, I'm at 14 across, and I'm mostly on Instagram these days. Meredith, where are you? I am Meredith Goldstein on Instagram and Meredith Goldsta up to the E on Twitter <laughs> because my name is too long. And, um, you know, or MeredithGoldstein.com. Or you can find me on Halloween dressed as a sexy pirate. <laughs> dressed as Buffy, dressed as a sexy pirate. Yes, it's like a meta, meta, meta thing. Or mm -hmm. dressed as Michael J. Fox playing his own grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm going to be dressed as Mr. O'Leary's dead brother dressed as a clown. <laughs> uh, you can also find Meredith at the Boston Globe's Love Letters podcast and column. And you can, you can send her all your questions. Like, what does it mean if he doesn't know what color my hair is? <laughs> right. <laughs> And of course, you can pick up uh, Things That Grow or any of her other amazing books by going to your local indie bookstore or, you know, Amazon, too. They have them. Or the library. Or the library. Or the library. Unless it's full of vampires, in which case, skip it. Go to the yeah. bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no price is too high to pay for a good book and your safety. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mary, thank you so much for joining us. This is so fun. Thank you yes. for bringing me into Halloween Rain. It's a 
it's a journey I needed to take. <laughs> so happy to, to go on it with you. Um, and we as a podcast will be continuing our Slayer journey because uh, next time we'll be running Slayer by Kirsten White. And this is not Flashback Summer because this is a pretty recent YA book that's still set in the Buffyverse. Why? Well, we'll discuss in two weeks why we're still making Buffy happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But until then, bye. Bye. Bye.